word. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 10. Theme night, that's what it was, theme night. We ought to do a theme night over here sometime. I might liven y'all up a little bit. Y'all come here on Wednesday nights a little drained. Let's get you in a theme night. We'll have a superhero night. You can come dressed as your favorite superhero. How's that sound? I know some of you guys are thinking, I got a Superman costume. I just never had a reason to wear it. Been sitting in the back of your closet, hadn't it? Yep. Come on. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> it's a good... I mean, you can have fun in church. You don't have to be stiff. You don't have to just be, you know... Wearing the frowns, just barely making it by, trying to get to heaven. Lord Jesus. Come on, we can have fun in here. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Who wants to know how to fight? Anybody want to learn how to fight? Amen. We're going to talk about how to fight tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we know that word walk can be interchanged with the word live. Though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not war. According to the flesh. Now, I know most of us wish there was a period after war. We do not war. There's no war. There's no battle. It's just living free, smell the roses. But no, he says we do not war according to the flesh. So that already tells me something. Number one, I'm in the flesh. Number two, there's a battle. But that battle that I face is not in the flesh. That battle that I face is in the spirit. And so I've got to learn some things. You know, I, I really believe that a lot of uh, 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 Christians and a lot of believers are trying to fight a spiritual battle with fleshly, with, with carnal, with natural abilities. And so I want to teach us how to fight. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare. Thank God that verse is there. Thank God it doesn't say that you have a battle, but there are no weapons. You're just you're out to make it on your own. If he can help you, if he'll, if he'll give you something. But no, he says you have weapons. For the weapons of our warfare. You know what weapons are for? Weapons are for fighting back. Weapons are for fighting back. See, we're not to live through this Christian life just taking it. We're just taking hits from the devil. I'm taking hits in my finances. I'm taking hits in my marriage. I'm taking hits with my children. I'm taking hits in my job. I can't find favor. We're not just supposed to be taking hits. We're supposed to be fighting back in this thing. We're supposed to be doing this thing offensively, not just defensively. Most Christians are posted up just trying to fight off, you know, keep the devil off of them when this verse clearly implies that we're supposed to be responding with something. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word carnal just simply means in the flesh. It could be in the flesh or you could be in the spirit. You guys know this. Uh, we can have natural or we can fight back spiritually. And so our battle that we are in is not fleshly, it's spiritual. Therefore, we need spiritual weapons. And look at this. It says, they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. Anybody ever come across a stronghold? Well, sure, we've all come across a stronghold. You might be fighting off some strongholds right now. But those things are meant to be pulled down. Those things are meant to be overcome. Casting down. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against, watch this, the knowledge of God. Not even coming against God himself, but coming against the knowledge of God. That's important. That's important. Because it sometimes it's the knowledge of God that hinders us. It's not God himself that keeps us from overcoming. It's our knowledge of him. See, it's, the, it's this thinking that, well, he's trying to teach me a lesson through this sickness. That's, that's the knowledge of God. Every argument, everything that exalts itself. Well, you know, I'm supposed to be lowly. I'm supposed to be poor. God, God wants me to be poor and destitute and, you know, and, and, and lacking because that way I can trust and depend on him. That's a knowledge of God. That's not true. And so it doesn't say that it brings, uh, that things are exalting themselves against God himself. But sometimes they just exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Of who we know God to be and who he is. Bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience. When your obedience is filled. Pop back up to verse 3 real quick. For though we walk in the flesh. (coughs) We do not war according to. To the flesh. This is very key. This is very important. I want to talk to you about fighting. I want to talk to you about winning. I want to talk to you about overcoming. But where we have to start in winning the battle is what are we fighting with? What are the weapons that we're using to respond and to fight back against the enemy? I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly believe that most believers know that God wants them victorious. I honestly believe that most believers understand that the victory has been won. I know everybody in this room does. I know you've been around long enough to know that you're victorious. And and, and if you don't know that, you need to become more and more convinced of that. We've taught messages in here about how you're victorious even though you're getting beat down, even though it seems like everything's coming against you, all hell's breaking loose. You're still, the end of the book has been written And you have already won. That's the bottom line. But again, in these daily battles, in these daily warfare that we come against, how do we defeat these things? How do we fight back? For the weapons of our warfare, notice that it's our battle. Our battle and our weapons. A lot of believers are waiting for God to fight a battle for them. And not ever recognizing that he's given you the weapon to be victorious. Anybody in here ever used a weapon? There's one. Anybody in here own a weapon? Is it a weapon of mass destruction? Do I, I don't know if I need to be super excited that my church has weapons or concerned. No, most people, especially in this area, are familiar with weapons. Weapons. Now, weapons can be used incorrectly. I can promise you, all of you that have weapons, 
don't ever want the weapons to get into the wrong hands. And I can also promise you that you don't want those weapons turned on you. You know the damage the weapon can have. You know what it can do. You know what can occur when the weapon is used. And you don't want that weapon pointed at you, right? There was one time I went out with with Brent, and I, I believe it was Pastor Josh and a couple other guys, uh, and we went out shooting some weapons. Went out shooting some guns. Just went out, uh, I believe it was to Mike's property out there and just shot some stuff up. It was fun. Guys get a kick out of that stuff. We love using weapons. And you see the destruction. But, you know, there's rules. There's rules. You don't walk past a certain... You don't get... Oh, man, I want to go look at that. Uh, no, there's a firing line back here. You get in the way of some stuff, right? Because weapons can do some damage. You and I have to know as believers that we have weapons. We have a weapon. You know, we talk about the, the armor of God. Armor. Don't we? Go over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We talk about armor. <coughs> you don't really ever think about armor being a weapon. Because it's more used for defensive tactics. It's more to protect you rather than something you fight with. But in that passage, starting with verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, he's telling you to be strong, but in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? our battle's not carnal, right? Our warfare is not carnal. So I've got to be powerful in somebody else's might. I, I can't get strong enough to fight off the devil. I can't get enough power in and of myself, but in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, that word stand means to occupy. It means to withstand. It, it basically means this, to hold ground. To hold ground. Well, we know as kingdom citizens, we just got a full weekend of it, that we are here to occupy something and to hold ground. The enemy is trying to push you off of something. And it's a matter of will you outlast or withstand your enemy. So he says here, that we need to put on the whole armor so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we do not wrestle against, here it is again, flesh and blood. I know you thought your boss was your enemy. You thought the boss was the devil. You thought that next door neighbor was the devil. You thought that in-law was the devil. Oh, my battle is flesh and blood. I'm out to take care of this in my own might and in my own power. No, the battle that we really face, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, we usually burn through that. I mean, look at, look at how he's describing what we're fighting against. Powers, principalities rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. That doesn't sound real fun. 
coming against a spiritual host of wickedness. <laughs> that's the terminology that's here. In the heavenly places. But look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That means even at its worst, you can still stand. Withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I heard one minister put it this way. When you've done all to stand, don't sit. When you've done all to stand, let's stand. When you've put everything into it to hold off the enemy, then stand your ground and continue in it. And then he lists here in verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and then watch this one. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. You've, you've seen this before. The sword is the only offensive weapon mentioned out of all those. Everything else is used for defensive abilities. Everything else is used to protect you. But the sword is what we use to Attack. Remember, he says that your weapons are not carnal. Guys, you and I have the greatest weapon at our disposal. And that is the word of God. I'm not going to get real deep tonight, guys. I'm, I'm going to stay, uh, stay real uh, surface for the lack of a better word. Because I just want you to know that you have the greatest weapon at your disposal, and most of us don't use it. There is no situation, there's no circumstance you can come against in life that the word will not work. Your weapon, your weapon is the word. This right here has got to be a part of our daily life. This right here. Battles are not won. You, you understand that nations today have people that are dedicated to just making new weapons. Because they realize if I have nothing to offensively fight with or attack with, how am I going to win? How am I going to win? The first thing we've got to see is as believers, we're on the offensive. We're not on the defensive. We're not shutting ourselves up in our stained glass window churches and just having our revival meetings and our prayer meetings and hoping the devil doesn't get us. We have a weapon at our disposal. We are on the offensive. And that weapon is the word of God. A spiritual battle requires a spiritual weapon. A spiritual battle requires a spiritual weapon. Now, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to show you two instances that basically mirror each other. 
Don't you, I, you know, I, I like it when I get examples of situations. And I, I like to see how one person got it wrong and then one person got it right. How one person did something and they messed up. But then in the same exact situation, somebody else did something different and got a completely different result. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see an attack take place. We see an attack take place. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning, that means tricky, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The serpent was more cunning, it was more tricky, was more deceptive than any beast the Lord God had made. The devil operates in deception. Let me tell you what the devil is trying to do in your life. He's trying to steal in, he's trying to get into your home, steal your weapon, and use it against you. Let me just ask again, how many of you have weapons? How many of you have weapons in safe keeping? Or are they just laying around for anybody to pick up and grab a hold of? I mean, I know there's people that have them in their vehicles and they're in safe places. Not just sitting up on the armrest, on the dash. I mean, I don't know. Some of you guys might be that bold. I don't know. But the people I know that have weapons, they've got them locked up. They've got them in places that are safe. Why? Because you don't want somebody breaking into your house, and instead of you using the weapon on them, they use the weapon on you. And so right here, the enemy shows up, and the first thing we see, the first mention of the devil in the entire Bible is he's tricky. He's tricky. He's deceptive. And he said to the woman, now watch this, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What is the first thing he goes after? He goes after their weapon. What's the weapon that we have? The word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your weapon. That's my weapon. And here's the devil creeping up into the garden, creeping up on Eve, and says, has the Lord, what's he doing? He's just taken the weapon, and now he's going to point it right at her. Y'all see this tonight. This weapon has to be protected. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, you've heard me preach on this before. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, when God gave the command, he never said, you can't touch it. She added that. Now, some people don't want to make a big deal out of that. Well, you know, she's just paraphrasing. 
But the bottom line is, is your knowledge of the word determines how you use the word. Your knowledge of the word determines how you use the word. The Bible is very clear, guys, that this requires discipline and diligence. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Pastor Earl brought this out in, in, in our leadership, and I'd never seen it before. It says faith comes by hearing. It does not say faith comes by what you have heard. You realize that things in our lives have to be maintained. Just like you're not alive today because you ate once. Right? No, there's an eating, I-N-G, ongoing, perpetual maintenance that's taking place. You don't get fit because you worked out once. No, there's a working out, I-N-G, perpetual, ongoing. And you don't grow your faith. You don't gain faith because you heard the word once. It's because you're hearing and hearing and hearing the word. The word of God. Perpetual. So the first thing we see is that we have a weapon. That is the word of God. And we have to protect it. Because in both of these instances that we're going to read, you're going to see that the enemy is after the word. He is after the weapon. Let me put it to you this way. This ought to bring it home. The enemy places more value on the word of God than most Christians. The devil knows how valuable this is. The devil knows if you get a hold of this, he's done. Right? When that thief comes into your house, he knows if he gets it, if he gets to the gun cabinet, if he gets to that drawer, if he gets to that shelf, I'm done. So I got to beat him to it. And that's exactly what's happening here. The devil has shown up and he's saying, I got to beat her to it. He's attacking the word. He's not attacking her health. He's not attacking her finances. He's not attacking her marriage. He's attacking the word. Because if you'll doubt the word on that tree, you'll doubt everything else. If you don't know his word about the instruction he gave you, you'll fail in every area. You realize if you doubt just one dot of God's word, you can doubt it all. If you don't believe God's word on healing, you why believe God's word on finances? Why believe God's word about my marriage? Why believe God's word about my favor in life? Why believe God's word about this and God's word about that? So he's saying here, I got to beat her to the weapon. If I can get a hold of it before she does, <coughs> I can defeat her. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree, fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. We can't eat it. We can't touch it. 
we will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, the devil is not saying this because he believes God is a liar. The devil is saying this because he's a liar. Let me say that again. The devil is not making this statement because he believes God is a liar. The devil knows God cannot lie. The devil is saying this because he's a liar. And his goal is to make God look like the liar. If you can be deceived in God's word, you can't use God's word. (laughs) If you can be tricked out of God's word being true, then you can't use it. If the devil can make you think that a word from God is not true for you, you can't point it at him and take him out. He's not making this statement because God is a liar. He's making this statement because he's a liar. The devil is a liar, right? The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies, right? But we know that God's word is truth. Jesus said over in John 17, verse 17, sanctify, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. In him is truth. God is a man that he cannot lie, right? So the devil here is using a tactic. He's using deception. He's being tricky. The devil knows the word of God, guys. This is why Jesus, when, when, when demons uh, would cry out, uh, you know, this is the Messiah, this is the Lord, he would tell them to shut up. He'd tell them not to say. You know, that bothered me. Because I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want somebody saying, this is Jesus? The issue is, is if they would hear a demon profess truth, then they would believe everything else he has to say. The devil knows the truth. The devil knows the truth. He communicated the truth in the first sentence. Did did God tell you that if you ate of this tree, you would die? He knows the truth. You realize you can't tell a lie without knowing the truth? Every lie is embedded in truth. You have to have the truth before you can tell a lie. So the devil doesn't show up until God speaks. See, when when you receive a word from God in your life, the first thing you better get ready to do is stand on it. Because everything's about to come against that word. He's about to show himself so strong and try to convince you that that word is not what it says. When you receive a word of God, some of you received words from God this past weekend. Some of you received some instruction and some direction just this past weekend. Get ready to stand. 
If you received a word about your marriage, get ready to stand on your marriage. If you received a word of God about your healing, get ready to stand on your healing. If you received a word of God about your finances, you better get ready to stand on your finances, on the word of communicated. You've got to stand on it. The word, in essence, you could say it this way. The word brings attack. I don't have time to go there, but in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And he gives the parable of the sower and then turns around to his disciples and says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And they said, Tell us about this parable. We want to know what you're talking about here. And the first statement, the first statement that Jesus says to his disciples is the sower goes out to sow the word. And the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Guys, I could even tell it to you this way. The enemy's not after your healing. The enemy's not after your prosperity. The enemy's not after your joy. The enemy's not after you overcoming. He's after the word on healing. He's after the word on your finances. He's after the word. He's not even attacking you. He's attacking the word that you have received because he knows if you will doubt the word, you will turn that weapon on yourself. He uses the very weapon that you and I have been given. He's tricky. He's deceptive. Verse 4, I don't know if we read it yet, but Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. (coughs) Notice that he gives the lie, (coughs) he brings the deception, and then he brings an explanation. And he's still doing that today. He will, not only will he tell you that healing is not for today, he'll explain to you why it's not. <laughs> not only will he tell you that, that prosperity is not of God, he'll, he'll lead you right to the websites where people rant and, and rave about how tithing is not for today and, 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 and pastors are just after your money and, and all they want and, 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 and all this mess. They, he'll lead you right to it, man. He'll give you the explanation as to why his statement is true. Still does that today. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. What's that mean? She bought into the lie. She bought into the lie. She bought into the lie. She was deceived. She was deceived. You know, it's tough being deceived because deceived people don't know they're deceived. (coughs) When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's why Jesus said you need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. The only thing to get you out of a lie is to know the truth. We've got to know the truth. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made 
themselves covering. And we know right here is the instance, the fall of man. The fall of man, because the enemy crept in, took the word that God had given them as a weapon and used it against them. The entire fall of mankind to this day hinged on man's inability to use the weapon. See, those weren't just instructions. This isn't just a book of do's and don'ts. Well, I'm just tired of people telling me how to live my life. I'm just Ten Commandments this. and ten, I mean, we're supposed to be free. I ought to be able to, you know, this whole grace message is just trying to set people free from the bondage of living in the instruction of the Word of God. That's not instruction. That's a weapon to protect you and to fight off the enemy. If you reject the Word, there is no hope for you as a believer. If we reject the Word of God in our lives, If we become convinced of a lie and believe it to be truth, we're in a dangerous place. The very weapon that was given to us to fight off the enemy has been turned against us and is pointing right at us. But Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Thousands of years later. Generations later, the enemy shows up to a man named Jesus. This same devil shows up, and he uses the very same tactic. Why? The only way, the only attack the enemy has against you is the word. I saw someone put this on Facebook just this past week. I think it was John George, Pastor John George. He was just here last week. Many of you remember him. And he made this statement. He said, the most dangerous thing to the kingdom is not an active sinner, but an inactive Christian. Not an active sinner, but an inactive Believer, one that ought to operate a certain way, but doesn't. One that ought to know truth, but doesn't. But guys, we have the greatest weapon at our disposal. I'm not saying that attacks aren't going to come. I'm not saying we're not going to endure some things. I'm not saying that you're going to have to you're not going to have to battle through some things. But in the battle, we're promised a battle. We're promised warfare, but we're also promised weapons of our warfare. Nobody goes to battle without weapons. They've been devising weapons since the very beginning. I mean, I remember in in high school, I had to do a report in, in history class on weapons and how weapons had progressed through nations and cultures and society. And then you get to the Romans. And they just devised all kinds of stuff. They had some of the greatest defense tactics, but they had some awesome weapons. We've got to know how to fight back. It's one thing to put the shield up and put your guard up and protect yourself, but it's another thing to be able to fight back. 
And you're going to see right here in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus fought back. Starting with verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. See, not every battle you face is from the devil. You may be fighting the devil, but maybe the Spirit's leading you there. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Mine would have said after he had fasted one day and one night, afterward, he was hungry. The dude lasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward... You know, I'm kind of, man, I'm kind of feeling it right now. It's been 40 days. It's, can't even remember the last meal. Wow. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, I love that, if. Now, remember, this is just how dumb the devil is. Remember. Jesus is the Word. Not only does he know the Word, not only does he use the Word, but he is the Word. And yet the devil still tries to bring this up. If, if, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But look at verse 4. But he answered and said, it is, what? Come on, y'all got to say this. It is written. Written. Now, Jesus is using the written word. And he doesn't even have as much written word as we have. Now, he is the word, but he can't use some of the scriptures we can. Hadn't even been written yet. We've got more Bible at our disposal today than even Jesus did, and he fights off the devil. What's our excuse? I mean, we have verses like, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We have verses like, God has uh, blessed you with riches according. I mean, come on. We've got verses that even Jesus doesn't have, and he's over here fighting off the devil. He says, it is Written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I love that he uses that one first. Because he's kind of like setting the tone for the devil. Like everything else I'm about to use against you is going to be the word. Because we live by it. He says, it is written. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if... You are the son of God. Throw yourself down. Notice the devil is questioning who he is. As well as questioning the word. (coughs) The devil will throw these tactics at you. He'll question your identity. You You may know the word, but do you know the word works for you? You may know what the Bible says, but are you convinced that it'll work for you? Some of us are believed that God can bless the, ne- the neighbor next to us, but for us it's a little harder. He'll heal that person, but my stuff I don't know. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Oh, see, what's the devil doing? 
He's trying to grab a hold of that weapon and turn it against him. He says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. The devil knows the truth. The devil knows the Bible. I mean, I don't know if he has a a Bible reading plan or what. I, I don't know if he's on the one that we're on. But he knows the Bible. Because how is he going to turn it against you if he doesn't know it? And in response, how are you going to turn it against him if you don't know it? You know why the enemy is successful at defeating a lot of believers? It's because he knows the word. You know why a lot of believers are unsuccessful in fighting against the devil? Because they don't know the word. It's the same concept. The enemy is using our very weapon against us. But... Jesus didn't do like Eve. He didn't misquote scripture. He didn't get it wrong. He didn't add to it or take away from it. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you. If you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Now, you know, Jesus could have easily pulled the mom card here. He could have easily said, because I said so. He could have easily just responded with, Because I said that's how it's going to be. Because he is God. But he still refers back to the written word. Why? Because there's value in what God has said. He says, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You can't be deceived in what you know. You can't be deceived. When you become convinced of the word of God for your life, the enemy can't get you off of it. When you become convinced of what God has said, what God has proclaimed over your life, what he has spoken in a specific situation that you're in, you can't be moved off of it. But it starts with hearing. And then knowing. And Jesus says this in that parable of the sower in Matthew 13. He says, it's the one that hears the word and understands it. James tells us that we're deceived if we come in here and hear the word, but then don't apply it. Apparently, there's something I need to do with the word after I hear it. Apparently, there's more to be done when I go back out that door. Apparently, there's more to be done when I close my Bible, when I close my Bible reading plan, and, 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 I, and I say, all right, I've done my reading for the day. Apparently, there's something else I've got to add to that. We've got to know the Word. We've got to know the Word. We've got to understand the Word. We've got to comprehend the Word. The Bible talks about studiers of the word. 
Study doesn't mean read it a couple times. Study doesn't mean I'm in trouble, I need to go find a verse. Study means I've got this thing already, so when the attack comes, I can fight back. I mean, anytime that, that, that someone comes to me with a situation, I bring them the word. I don't tell them my experience. I don't tell them somebody else's experience. I don't tell them what, you know, grandma said or what this pastor said. I give them the word because the word is the only thing that's going to fight back against the enemy. The word is the only thing. He is trying to deceive you off of the word. He's trying to get you moved off of the word. He's trying to direct you away from the word. That's why uh, Proverbs tells us to incline our ear. That's why God told Joshua, you want to be successful? You want to be prosperous? Meditate in my word therein, day and night. And do all to observe, or observe to do all according to what is written. His word, guys, his word is our offensive weapon. God's word is what brings victory. God's word is what brings the answer. There is an offensive attack that we need to be doing. We don't need to just be hiding out. We don't need to get in defensive mode. We don't need to be shutting ourselves up on the inside. But we need to get a hold of the word and find out what does the word say about this. And God, I'm going to tell you right now, there is a word for any situation you could ever get in. There is a word. There's multiple words. I mean, even God himself said, don't even accept my word without confirming it with two or three witnesses. That means everything that you could possibly go through, I've already talked about it at least two times. (laughs) I've already talked about it. Get the verses out. Get the verses out. Get the word out. Apply it. Live it. Study it. Meditate on it. Read it. Hear it. That's how we fight back. And guys, the dangerous thing is, you know, we always use the analogy, the Bible's just sitting up on the shelf. It's just sitting there unused. Well, the problem is somebody's using it. Somebody's coming in your house, grabbing a hold of your Bible, pulling it out and saying, hey, so this is what God has to say about your healing. And you don't know because you've left it on the shelf. Somebody else has snuck in and deceived you out of the weapon that God has given you. We don't need God to fight our battles. We don't need God to give us more weapons. I mean, doesn't doesn't it make sense then? Doesn't it make more sense understanding that verse now? My people perish for a lack of knowledge? Doesn't that make a whole lot more sense? We perish because we don't know the Word of God. We got to know the Word. We got to know the word. Father, we thank you that you have given us the greatest weapon at our disposal. You have given us 
your word and the authority to use your word. You said that these battles, this warfare that we fight, it's not carnal. So how are we going to fight a spiritual battle with carnal weapons? But no, you've given us the greatest weapon, the sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. Father, I thank you we become acquainted with, we get to know the Word so we can use the Word. I thank you that the enemy cannot come in and take the word from us. The enemy cannot come in and deceive us. The enemy cannot come in and twist the word. He cannot tell us a lie and make us believe it to be truth because we are grounded in truth. We are rooted in truth. We have our foundation set on the rock, which is the word of God. We cannot be overcome and we will be victorious because we fight back with the word. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the power it contains. You said where the word of the king is, there is power. So, Father, we put that power to use. We put that power into practice so that we can be victorious and overcome in our lives. We thank you for this tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen.